Welcome back to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Bubble, with me once again, uh, Steve Cook. And uh, we are here to talk about a lot of things in the world of wrestling because, Steve, it was a very interesting weekend um, in wrestling. We knew it was going to be, certainly with the debut of AEW Rampage. Uh, you had the, uh, of course, Triple Mania, uh, several notable, I guess for uh, you know traditional American wrestling fans, uh, several notable matches there for people who are in some of these promotions we talk about regularly. And then you also had the New Japan Resurgence show. Uh, it was just a, a very stacked and packed uh, weekend. And uh, as we saw, the one thing that we all just, you know, predicted, I guess, Steve, this time last year, if we all made our August, uh, you know, the weekend of, I guess, August 14th predictions, we all said that uh, the Nature Boy Ric Flair was going to be in AAA chopping Kenny Omega inside of a ring. We all called it, right? With Andrade, of course, right by his side. I <laughs> yes. mean, I think everybody everybody definitely saw that one coming. It was, but, yeah, I'm, and we'll kick off right with that because that definitely was something that, uh, I mean, it doesn't come as a huge surprise because we knew when Ric Flair got released that there was a pretty good chance that once he started making wrestling appearances that Andrade would be involved on some level due to the uh, due to the future son-in-law relationship going on there. All, all good, no problems with that. Um, we probably didn't expect it this soon because I, I don't know what do you th- I don't suppose he had much of a non-compete clause but then again does the non-compete clause uh, does that count for Mexico because that's what I was Triple thinking a, about Triple A yeah. can't even promote their shows in America so that's part of the part of the part of the issues Triple A's faced with this whole with the whole relationship with AEW and all stuff with Kenny Omega champion there's this whole thing where they cannot promote the United States they can't air their shows here. They can't do anything here. And we have to find these shows through through the Cubs fan or whatever kind of streaming might find is how we keep track of this stuff. So as much as people want to say, oh, well, the, the Mega Championship isn't treated as well as some of the other titles, they, AEW can't really do anything with it because that could get them in trouble with the uh, folks playing Lucha Underground. There's just a lot of uh, st- stuff going on there. So, okay, I went off the ramp there to jump on that for a second. But uh, <laughs> anyway... So a big match on Saturday, of course, Kenny Omega defending that title against Andrade. And Andrade was widely expected to win that championship. And I don't know if Ric Flair is expected to be there, but it was it was nice to see him. He got a great response, as you'd expect. And you know what? Back in the day, I was one of those guys. I was not a fan of you know senior citizens coming in and beating wrestlers up. But, man, did I mark out when I saw Ric Flair shop to Kenny Omega. <laughs> Conan, I loved it. I thought, I thought it was great. And maybe part of it's because it's Ric Flair. And Ric Flair usually gets kind of a pass with me as far as stuff like that goes. But, you know, it's, uh, I guess the way my sensibilities have changed over years is that I like seeing these guys come out. And, and I like seeing them get to do good stuff, too. Because one of the main reasons Ric Flair left WWE was because whenever he appeared on WWE television... He would be hanging out with Charlotte or hanging out with Randy Orton. And eventually they would turn against him, and eventually he would cry. And I didn't want to see that. It was sad, and Rick, Rick knew that's not what people want to see either. So now he gets to go out and do his own thing and do stuff like this where, I mean, yeah, Ric Flair chopping Kenny Omega, great piece of business. Love it. Yeah, you could you could be Ric Flair, a legend who's out chopping Kenny Omega in another promotion, or... You can be on WWE Raw with uh, your daughter's foe acting like, you know, possibly the father of the child and all this. I mean, it's just a, it's a completely. Yeah, what a choice, right? Yeah, like, but what's, the, that's a pretty easy choice, I think, if you're Ric Flair, someone who has 
like you said, it's it's sort of been that way over the past you know several years at this point with him and WWE, and I think to to have and, and we've seen it all over Twitter, right? Like Rick has been tweeting like crazy, showing himself in the gym and just talking about how he's you know excited about all these different possibilities and everything. And you can't blame the guy because I mean it's just one of those things where do I think Ric Flair is going to wrestle in AW? No, but also I do think if he stays in WWE. What, where is sort of the evidence that he's going to be anything more than what you said, where he may be someone hanging around Charlotte, hanging around Randy Orton in a pregnancy angle with, with Lacey Evans or something like that? You just and, and that's the theme, right? And that's every, what everyone's talked about is, you know, whether it's Ric Flair, whether it's Mark Henry, um, you know, Paul White, anyone like that. Like these are all I mean, Christian. Christian's another example. Like it's a perfect yeah. example. And we'll get to him in a minute. But it's like these guys, there's reasons they left. And. Obviously, the state of WWE, that's a whole different discussion. But, I mean, you well, and again, in what other universe is Ric Flair going to have the opportunity to do what he did on Saturday night in Mexico? But he's not going to get that opportunity in the WWE universe. We know that. No, definitely not. And uh, uh, just just fun times, fun stuff to see. Uh, darn good match, too, by the way. Not exactly surprising, considering Kenny Omega's involved. And But to be honest... We have not seen Andrade quite that level in quite some time. I know back in NXT he got a ton of a uh, ton of love, ton of respect. Uh, matches with the guys like Jari Gargano and things like that. He didn't really show that much on the main roster to me. I know I don't recall the long list of classic Andrade main roster matches. <laughs> so you know he kind of took a tumble there for a while, and we kind of forgot how good he could be. And on Saturday night, he got to show it in a match against Kenny Omega where, and it's something that's been talked about today where apparently, as they say, the original result was going to be Andrade winning the championship, but they decided against that. And frankly, I don't blame them for deciding against that because, I mean, Omega's not under contract with AAA, but neither um, Andrade is not under, under tri- contract with them either. Right, it's two so AEW you, guys. Like, what's the so difference? It's the same, yeah, it's two <laughs> AEW guys. So it's basically the same thing. And if you're going to have two people in the same scenario, I think Kenny Omega is the best, better guy to do that with. And let's be honest, if you ask a regular AAA fan if it's a problem that their mega champion is not around very often, it's like, well, you know, our champions who are here never defend titles anyway. Yeah. Title defenses are, they don't have a 30-day rule there in AAA or in Mexico in general. Your title defenses do not happen very often. Um, you know, it's one of those things that they build up to for a very long time. So Kenny not defending the title that often not a big deal what did you what did you think of the match i thought i mean i thought it was good like you said you there there was a lot of people you know probably us included they were saying all right this is andrade's first you know big sort of because again when you look at it like this is this was andrade's one two this was his sixth match since october of last year after he lost to angel garza in two minutes and 30 seconds on raw <laughs> like he's only had six matches since and obviously this was the biggest one he's had but I thought it was very good. I mean, I know people will talk about, you know, the flair and Conan stuff and all this, but the words you said a minute ago was exactly what I thought. Like, this was just fun. I didn't expect this to go out and be a, you know, five-and-a-half-star match or anything, but it was just fun, and I thought that, you know, Andrade really stepped up, and, and I thought it was a really good match. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I saw some of the criticism as well, but uh, no, I mean, there's I had no issues with this match. I had no issues with the Gaga and I know there were some people who had took issue with the referee, but let's be honest, if if you know Lucha Libre, you know that these the 
whole thing of the heel referee. Yeah. The Rudo the Rudo official. And they did it in the Ana Perazzo match. One of the... You know, like wasn't that I think that was one of the themes like in the Perazzo uh yeah. Apache match. Like that was the same sort of scenario. So that's what he does. That's a heel the the Tarazis has been there for a very long time and that's the sort of stuff he does. And maybe if you don't watch Lucha Labor very often you don't get it, but if you are a regular Lucha fan, you know that that's what comes with the territory. Yeah. It, I thought so too. I mean, I thought it was just a, it was a good match. And I mean, like we say, I don't think everything it's it when you're adding Ric Flair into this match again, it was just a complete surprise. I think for a lot of people, you know, I thought they set it up really well. They do the little backstage thing. They, they tease it before you, you know, you don't just have Andrade come out um, cold and all of a sudden here's Ric Flair behind him. You, you set it up the way they did with the little backstage thing where Andrade's saying, you know, he's telling Cohen Conan that, he has someone more important, and of course that gets the buzz going, and everyone's thinking, "Okay, is it Ric Flair?" But then a lot of people, and, and some of the people, Ric Flair. Yeah, there's some other ideas like possibly Roosh or yes. another one of his friends from Mexico. And heck, you know, I mean, it, it turns out that uh, Andrade's fiance was backstage at Triple Mania. Yes, well, which that would have been something. <laughs> <laughs> Could you see? That's where, like, just think about this. If WWE allows something like that, they don't have to do it on every like single scenario. But like if they allowed that once a month, like just in a random place, location, the amount of goodwill that would give them would just be, I don't think they even realize how much goodwill, but, but they don't care. No. Like it's not, it doesn't matter. Doesn't <laughs> so matter. Uh, they have no, that's just the way it's always been is Vince wants to be able to control everything he can control he doesn't want anything sort of outside of that and um i think that just speaks to you know that situation but it was i really did i thought it was one that again going into the match you just you knew what to expect because it was a kenny omega match and i think that andrade for someone who was on his sixth match since last year uh, basically last october i thought he he did very well um and it just it's one of those where now just like something else we're going to talk about in a second it's like (laughs) You you want to see this again, and and that's I think the the biggest point here is we're going to see this match again probably at some point whether that's in AAA whether that's AEW, but they sold you on wanting to see it again, and and that's where I think the Flair and Conan stuff like that can sort of help further I think the eventual rematch that these two will have. And the Ric Flair versus Conan match down the road too, <laughs> Triple Mania thirty, Triple Mania thirty. Conan grow, I don't know if Conan can grow out some hair for the hair versus hair match or not. That'd be interesting. Once in a lifetime, Ric Flair versus Conan, <laughs> Triple Mania. A rematch third. of, uh, God, they had a match. What was it? Uh, it's not, was it like Bash of the Beach 95? I was going to say, I think American it was Bash 95. It's yeah. one of the Bashes. Yeah, I want to say one it was 95 from what I can remember. That 95, what a, of course, we just Flair beat Conan and... for the U.S. title. Look at that. Yeah. So there's, so there's some uh, there's some bad blood there, I'm telling you. Twice in a lifetime. Uh, only this one would Twice be in a lifetime. 26 years later. But... Um, yeah, so so that was good stuff. I thought that just the whole the whole presentation, everything, you know, Andrade's entrance, I thought, man, it just looks like such a star. And then, of course, you have Ric Flair come out with him, and that only adds to the uh, presentation there and just how they portray him. But uh, I thought that was huge for him, just to have that match, even though he doesn't win. Um, like you said, I'm not I'm not as over the whole thing with, with Omega, uh, you know, retaining the title. Here's what I thought they would do which I, I guess we can kind of transition in a second into, we'll talk a little bit about Rampage, but uh, there are a couple other things we'll discuss from Triple Mania. But I thought that after Omega loses to Christian on Rampage and loses the Impact title, I was thinking maybe they would go the route of, okay, he loses again, 
two, he loses two titles in 24 hours, and then you just really have this delusional Kenny Omega come out and just this completely uh, off-the-wall type guy who just continues to add to his character. I thought maybe they'd go that route to where basically the only thing he has left to hang on is the AEW title, and he's just hanging on for dear life, uh, depending on you know whether he loses that. I don't even think he's going to lose to Christian, but the eventual match with Hangman or someone else. Um, I thought that was the way they were going to go, but now I think it does make it, it, I mean, it makes it more interesting, right? Because he keeps his title, but like you said, it's not as though A to AEW is going to be just pushing this particular title. Like this isn't something that they're going to be pushing on television. So it's going to pretty much to, I think the, the casual fan, you're going to be looking at this as though, okay, Kenny lost the impact title. Yeah. He's still got the triple A, you know, mega title here, but the AEW title is everything. They pushed it that way. So, I just don't – I thought maybe they'd go that route, but just because they didn't, I don't think it really hurts the story overall that much. It was interesting, and I kind of thought they would as well. I mean, just have his life kind of falling apart around him, the belt collector losing all his belts at one time, which I think the part of the reason they didn't go that way is because, I mean, the guy hadn't lost a match in like 20 months or whatever. Uh, maybe two in 24 hours might have been a bit much. I don't know. But I don't, I don't think it, Kenny losing here would have taken away from him in the eyes of uh, most of the populace. And I don't think winning, I don't think winning, I think winning helps a little bit. But you know, it's honestly, it's. A, I think it, the bottom line is that as far as having a AAA mega champion that comes in every once in a while and builds some buzz for the internet, I think Kenny Omega is the right guy to do that. Yeah, it it makes a lot of sense for AAA, I think. Just, uh, I I mean, either way, I don't think you can go wrong in either scenario. But, I mean, keeping the title, what many consider to be, you know, perhaps the best wrestler in the world. I don't think that's anything. And the fact that that people thought he was going to lose kind of helped it, too, which I think. I think Kenny losing the night before kind of helped that match. Yeah. Where we, I think a lot of people thought that, oh, oh crap, Kenny's going to lose all the belts now. (laughs) Yep. That's a good point. And, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in depth a bit more here in a second. Any, Any. I mean, obviously, from a, from from again, like the American promotion standpoint, the other stuff on Triple Mania, uh, where you had uh, Tiana Perazzo, she becomes the double champion, uh, beating Fabio Pachi, like we said. So now she's got two belts, and then the triple threat tag team match, which I think everyone expected probably to be the match of the night if it wasn't going to be Omega and Andrade, uh, where you have uh, the Lucha Bros retain. The AAA tag team titles, and of course Brian Cage and Taurus. Like I just thought that's one of those. Like that's one of those teams. Until you actually see it, it's like you don't really think you need it. But once you see it, you're like, I, I want more of that. Like that was just. You knew this was going to be the kind of match it was, but I, I thought it was just my goodness, all action. Uh, and the Lucha Bros once again prove why they're one of the best there is. Just uh, that that was fun. They're two of the best, and of course you can't forget about Vikingo and Laredo Kid either. These yes. are two of Mexico's best right there, and I think once they. Once they get to appear in America more, appear more often, I think you'll definitely be hearing a, a ton more about both of these guys. Yeah, I think so too. It was uh, that is one for sure. You know, if you want to pick and choose, if you don't want to watch the entire card, which there, there's entertainment. I mean, if you if you just want entertainment, you're you're not gonna have any uh, lack of that on Triple Mania. I think that's normally the case. Uh, you had an iguana win a win a match, yes. man. I think Iguana won a Royal Rumble. is pretty great. Ric Flair versus Mr. Iguana is the match that I think everyone's that calling might for. Be. That, that might be the money match right there. Um, <laughs> how did you feel? And there's there's two schools of thought in this one, too. How did you feel about uh, Kenny Omega and Andrade not going on last with the main event being a Psycho Clown and Ray Scorpion with the uh, the mask versus hair match? Which, 
I know online that there's a lot more buzz behind the title match, and you could see on the viewership how it fell after Kenny's match was over, and not as many people cared as much about this, but I know in Mexico, much bigger deal of Psycho Clown and Ray Scorpion. Uh, Psycho Clown, of course, the son of the the late, great Super Porky. A very emotional emotional match there. Ray Scorpion had an issue of Super Porky in the past as well, so... I mean, for for that crowd, I think it. I think for that crowd, I think it delivered. I know it's probably not something we here in Amer- up here cared as much about, but for that crowd, it worked. Well, we know how important mask versus hair matches are. Like in, you know, this isn't like a WWE thing, right? Like where we, you know, it's. I think the which we this is like our uh, elusive uh, show that we're going to get to eventually. But the Judgment Day O two, where it's. Uh, Kurt Angle versus Edge in a hair versus hair match. There's a little bit more prestige probably involved with the uh, Psycho Clown and Rey Scorpion match uh, than there was necessarily with that one. And, and I so I don't have a problem with that. I think from the beginning, I expected that to be sort of the main event anyways. I know for some people thought that, you know, having Omega and Andrade to, to our, you know, to the American audience, sure, I'm sure that would certainly have the most appeal. But the mask versus hair matches, I mean, this is, this is one too where, you know, like they've built this up and built it up and built it up. Um, I mean, really, you think about it, right? In the comparison between the builds, like this this Omega and Andrade match, just because of the limitations that you discussed earlier, there wasn't a whole lot you could do with the build in no. terms of what they were able to do. Meanwhile, you've got a mask versus hair match that, again, is just such a a bitter sort of, you know, aggressive rivalry type thing uh, where, I mean, I, I think it makes complete sense why they would have did it that way. And also, one of my pet peeves when it comes to American wrestling that I just... One of these things that just drives me nuts is when these guys who have this long, they have long hair for a very long time, and one day they just show up with it gone. Yeah. I, and that drives me nuts because I always believe there's something you could do there. You could have a, a hair match. You could have an angle where a guy gets his head, gets his head shaved or something. Like when Baron Corbin went from having, that, from, from having his long hair to nothing, they could have done some kind of match where he lose the hair and that would make him even more of a deranged heel or whatever i just it's just one of those things that always drives me a little nuts did you and we'll move on to aw rampage did you see the opener with the the marvel lucha libre match where you know they have the the tie-in with marvel and all that did you see the I entrance not, oh I, my goodness i saw the i did see the entrance, okay yes. <laughs> <laughs> i have never like i don't think steve i've ever seen anything like that before in terms of you have, I think it was Arach- Arachno was the one who did this. He comes from the top of the arena upside down. Like, in the whole way, it's not like it's one of these smooth things where he just keeps going. Like, he's just having to, and it was, I mean, it was, I don't even, I don't even know what to think. I'm thinking, if this is the opener and this is how we're starting things off, I was a little worried for what was to come. Um, which, by the way, also included uh, one of the wrestlers, I don't remember, which, which we know too, and people mention this. And we saw it after the Lucha Bros win, but... You know, it's one of those things where they'll bring in, like, their family and such. Like, you know, kid, little kids come in and all this stuff after after matches and all that. But uh, one of the uh, one of the competitors, I don't remember which match it was, but it was one of those where I, I looked at something else for a second, then I came back to the feed, and all of a sudden I see one of the competitors with this very small child. Like, I assume this, this kid was two two years old or less, but he's, he's standing on the turnbuckle with the child held out, like <laughs> Lion King style. And it's just one of those visuals you come back to that really, really hits you there. Uh, so Triple Mania was entertaining. I will say that. Like, even if you're someone that, that has never watched a Triple A show in any form or fashion, 
I think you would find a lot of entertainment out of this because there is so much variety on these shows. And this is mostly the case every year, but I think now, especially because of the partnerships and relationships we see, obviously, you know, with Impact and AEW and all that, uh, there's a lot more appeal just to probably the American fan. But even if not, like some of this other stuff was fun. It wasn't, you know, your five-star match or anything like that, but it was entertaining. I'll, I'll, I'll give it that. So. So like you say, and it's like it's like that every year, pretty much. Triple Mania, the uh, top show in Mexico, and I am a Lucha fan. I don't get to watch as much Lucha as I would like to, you know, due to uh, the television situation and whatnot. Yeah. But it's always been one of my personal favorite styles of wrestling, and I am one of those I'm one of those folks who do who doesn't think that pro wrestling is just one style. Yeah, you know, there's there's just Lucha Libre, there is uh, you know pure wrestling, there's deathmatch wrestling. It's it's a nice little buffet, a little something for everybody, and I don't, I, I'm not the one to look down on different forms of the pro wrestling. No, like what you like. That's what I always say. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what stars I give it or Steve gives it or anyone. Like just like what you like. You don't have to have to force an opinion uh, on anyone or have an opinion forced on you from anyone else. So uh, it's up to you. And, and oh, there was other another notable thing here, which uh, if if you had kept up with the news stuff, which we put a story out this on. 4-1 Mania about uh, the trio from CMLL who had just basically up and left. And yeah. it was like such a huge deal at the time. And no one really knew, you know, what's the reasoning here? What's what's going on? But then, you know, they show up at Triple Mania. They beat up Mr. Iguana to get to beat them. That's the ultimate heel heat right there. Yeah, when you beat up Mr. Iguana, <laughs> oh, that's, that, that got everybody upset right there. I don't think most of us had ever heard of Mr. Mr. Iguana before this match. But after that match, he became, you know, the, the most <laughs> over performer in wrestling. <laughs> and those gentlemen come down and beat up Mr. Iguana. That just that made them the top the top heels in the promotion. I don't yeah. care who you are. Well, that's like that's a huge deal too. Like this was a, I mean I don't even know what you compare it to, but you know if you well, think I've heard it compare I've heard it compare it to if uh, say if the New Day all of a sudden uh, shows up one day in, in AEW right. Impact or whatever. Yeah. So like a, a really Something like that because they had been sort of a you know stalwarts in CMLL for the past several years and um, had really been you know featured as a a top act. So. For them to show up like that, uh, that's a huge deal, and too. And we know, like, AAA and CMLL, CMLL uh, there's no shortage of, um, that, you know. That forbidden door is not getting open. <laughs> no. There, I'll tell you that. You that's going to happen. You think WWE and AEW is something. Um, this is this is one, as we know, it has been going on for a long, long time in terms of the uh, relationship between those two and, and the battles and everything like that. So that was another huge deal. It really was. Like, it was a very notable show uh, when you look at all the things that came out of it. Uh, so uh, good stuff. I mean, I, I would I would highly uh, seek it out and, and rewatch it if you have time because I thought there was a lot of good stuff on the show. A lot of variety, of course, and you always get that uh, with Triple Mania. All right, Steve, let's go back to uh, Friday night, which was the debut of AEW Rampage. And one of the things that stood out to me was I just I, I didn't realize how much I really needed a a one hour primetime sort of professional wrestling show that just felt like the 1993 era of Monday Night Raw uh, that just goes by so fast. But, of course, AEW, I think, had a few more competitive matches than uh, Yokozuna versus uh, Jobber, probably in 93. But this was, I mean, it was, again, you talk about everything coming out of it. Like, you have that one hour to work with, and I thought they were just so effective in using everything in that hour to to basically do everything they could. Uh, I know the strengths of that show was the opener with Omega and Christian, I thought the Fuego del Sol segment was terrific. Uh, it just kind of brought out some of that real emotion that you don't always get in wrestling, that you know everything doesn't have to be overly scripted and everything to, to produce a pretty cool moment. 
and I thought the main event was was solid. I mean, I, I thought you know Red Velvet. I think give her credit. I'm not saying this was a a classic match or anything, but for Red Velvet having to basically flip her character and play the heel on Britt Baker, which that dynamic was kind of weird, just because you knew you were going to have that in Pittsburgh. But I thought it was. I mean, I thought it was a very good uh, debut edition of Rampage, even though uh, you know this time next week when we're talking about CM Punk at Rampage, that'd probably be a little bit different of a feeling. But uh, I thought it was a nice a nice show. Yeah, as far as, and we'll start with the May event, because why not? The uh, Britt Baker and Red Velvet is a, is a decent match. And I know they're, you know, you go in there and Britt Baker's the Bayface. It's Britsburg and all that stuff going on. So I, uh, the match was fine. I was not a fan of the first match, because I felt they're they're just trying too hard to make her heal at that point. And with all due respect to Jamie Hayter, who I have nothing against her. I'm sure she'll have some uh, positive things to contribute to AEW down the line. I mean... Uh, putting her in that spot, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it at first because I didn't remember her. And then you had a bunch of people online who thought it was Becky Lynch, which I did not pick up on. But I thought it would have been, wouldn't it been hilarious if Becky Lynch somehow shows up as Britt Baker's heater. <laughs> yes. Like, wouldn't that be? Like, that would have been tremendous. But no, that's not what happened there. But uh, so I thought I was not a fan of not a fan of the ending there. Just and I don't I don't know if that worked too well or not. Well, I mean, we'll see how it goes down the road. I know Britt's going to be the heel and whatnot, but. I think they're just trying too hard there. And, of course, they weren't going to boo her anyway, so it, eh, eh, eh. Yeah. Eh, is that what I have to say about that? I I think you said it. I think it's it's trying to maybe jam too much into the – like the circumstances and the scenario, I think, was a, a big part of this, where I get, on one hand, why they would want to do that. They want to re-debut a character in sort of the biggest way possible, you know, your first big – aw rampage and all that and certainly you're not going to do it next week uh, because there you know that there's no chance that anyone's going to remember a lot more outside of cm punk but i think there's also the school of thought that it was it was something where like you said i have i've obviously seen her before but i had no idea who this was until like you really sort of get that that strong visual if you've kind of kept up with her um you know over the past what i mean it's been I mean, it's almost been two years, I guess, at this point. Cause that yeah, been... she was around in the very early days yeah. of AEW. So you would, like, really have to keep up, you know, probably via Twitter or stuff like that, or just really kind of keep up with what, you know, she's been doing. But it was one of those that I think, like you said, if 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 you do that in, I don't know, like, if you do that in Los Angeles versus Pittsburgh, maybe it's, like, a different thing because of the Britt Baker uh, scenario and all that. You know, like you said, trying to sort of make her a heel – and everything, but I guess you're also thinking, you know, this is part of your TV time you have to build up to, to all out and everything. So I can understand why they did that. But I thought the the Jamie Hader thing was just maybe trying to add a little bit too much in that you could have maybe put in a spot elsewhere. Um, but I mean, I think there's I think there's a couple different ways you can go with that. But but I can understand the criticism on this. So. And then uh, the other, then there's some other criticism to be had, which I don't particularly agree with, but I'll, I'll mention anyway. The Miro and Fuego del Sol match, which I thought was fantastic. Fuego hitting that tornado DDT a couple times. You almost, no, you didn't think he had a chance, but it was fun. <laughs> you know, it was fun. It was fun. He had a few seconds there, and Miro just kind of kills him, and he tears up the contract. Which, by the way, I gotta tell you, I'm kind of sick of seeing contracts on wrestling TV shows these days. Because, God, WWE has so many contract signings, 
the, the you know they did one on Friday night as well. There's so much to talk about contracts. I'm kind of sick of it. And they but don't anyway. understand how they work, right? Like you can no, just steal really, a contract yeah, in WWE. So yeah, God, yeah, it's, uh, that kind of drives me nuts. But uh, so they they make the deal like, well, if Fuego wins this match, he gets an AEW contract, and if he loses the match, he doesn't. And unfortunately, I know some people, and some people complain about it because they went back on the damn stipulation. You can no longer believe stipulations AEW because Fuego Dosol still got signed by AEW, <laughs> which you know I, I I didn't care as much because it's Fuego Dosol. I like the guy; it's cool. I'm happy he's on the team. But they could have avoid, avoided all that by not having a uh, stipulation like that. I don't know. Yeah, and maybe they thought it and. I don't know if it even added that much to the match because honestly, the TNT Championship should have been enough. Right. And one would assume that if he won the TNT Championship, he'd be on the show more often, right? <laughs> That's true. I would he, think he would have to be on the show. I think if unless he's, he's just going to leave, like unless he's just going to leave with the TNT title, like CM Punk did with the WWE Championship. Yeah, he's going to pull a Medusa. That'd be a, that'd be something. He's going to take the TNT title to WWE Raw and throw it in the trash. So, yeah. That's uh, shots fired on that. Um, no, I, I liked it. I, I thought the, I mean, the match was what, I think it was two minutes long, but like you said, somehow in that two minutes, they actually, you didn't think Fuego was going to win. Yeah, yeah. You didn't, you didn't think he was going to win, but they at least sold you on uh, a couple different things there. Uh, but, but like I mentioned, I, I just, I felt like sometimes not everything has to be just overly scripted. Like AEW, I think does a good job with some of these things. Like just, if you're going to give this guy a contract, just do it. Like just do the segment, hot crowd. Uh, have Sammy come out and do it the way they did. I mean, I, I thought it was effective. And, and that, again, to me, is what separates AEW apart if we are making the comparison from WWE. Yes, they've done stuff like that before, but it just, one feels very rigid in terms of how things are structured and presentation and all that, but like that felt like a real, not overly produced segment moment. And I think that can go a long way with your fan base sometimes because now you give people a reason to invest in Fuego Dos Sol, which by the way, there's probably a lot of people that don't watch Dark or Dark Elevation or any of these and maybe they don't right. watch Sammy's vlog, right? Like they have no idea who this guy is. But in that whatever, you know, between the two minute match and the commercial break and the three minutes after that, I mean they now have a reason to care about Fuego Dos Sol. So I thought it was very effective the way they did it. Um and then of course we have to talk about uh the changing which we kind of mentioned earlier, but uh, Christian winning the Impact title, and I know Steve, there was a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts on that, just because <laughs> everyone didn't think that this was the right move, that Christian was this boring uh, competitor and contender and all this. Uh, but I, I again, if you talk about effectiveness, that the way they did this at Rampage, I think sold you on the match at All Out. Whereas vice versa, if you're going to do that match at All Out and you know you're keeping that, Kenny winning this match gives me no reason to be invested in Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage at All Out if I've already seen Kenny Omega win, beat him once, right? Like, that's the logic we use when we criticize companies who do that. I mean, it, it, it now that you think about it, it's like, it makes sense, and it actually gives you a reason to care about this match, even if, in the back of your mind, you, you pretty much know that Omega's probably winning this thing. A lot of things going on here. You like, I mean, the history with Christian Cage and with Impact Wrestling, that is a key point here because we know that uh, TNA was where Christian pretty much turned his career around, where he became like a top-notch guy, he, a chance he never got back in the day, back in the day. And once he got to Impact, he, he became like 
you know, Captain Charisma. Like the he took a step up to the next level. So that company, that championship, very important to him. So that is a good part of the story there. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's because we all wanted to see the Hangman. It might be. I mean, I wanted to see Hangman versus Omega too. But uh, I don't know why. When we decided that like Christian Cage is like this piece of garbage that shouldn't be challenging for any <laughs> title anywhere. Like when did this happen? I thought. Yeah. People on the internet like like Christian. Did, is Vince McMahon like all these all these message boards now with these multiple <laughs> accounts telling people how terrible Christian is? Because I thought the only person who hated Christian was Vince, was Vince. That was always the story. Like Vince never got Christian, and you know everybody else did, but Vince never got him. And uh, now we have a bunch of people out there who are Vince, I guess. We would decide, oh my God, Christian Cage is the worst. He's like <laughs> the least over person on the roster. All this stuff that uh, just does not translate to what I see on television. I don't, it's it's weird. It's a head scratcher for me, and of course the match, uh, as you would expect, with uh, Christian Cage, who I mean, despite what people might tell you, is actually a pretty good wrestler. Uh, you put him there with Kenny. You tell uh, two smart guys know what they're doing, and um, man, that's a uh, that uh, kill switch on the chair. That was a nice finish too. I like that. Yeah. That was good. It was good. Uh, yeah, I just I feel like now you have a reason to to be invested in this match uh, for them. And like you said, it's it's not like Christian just straight up beat him clean. Like there's obviously something behind that. And I know a lot of people, it was the big, big thing for a lot of people is what you talked about earlier about Kenny Omega has been this dominant belt collector. Who's his first, who's going to be the first person to pin him? I think everyone, you know, sentimentally is wanting that to be Hangman Page. They're wanting that to, to be the case. But I mean, <laughs> you can say it this way, right? Like, AEW has presented the Impact title as the lesser title, which, I mean, from AEW's standpoint, that makes sense. Like, your your yeah. title is the biggest title. And so, for them, if you're looking at it, this is not as big of a deal as Kenny losing the AEW world title eventually. So, um, so yeah, I, I just, I felt like it exceeded expectations. I didn't know what direction they were going to go in. Uh, I think that was a good thing. It left a little suspense and kind of made you think about how are they going to do this and are they actually going to have this match twice in the span of, uh, whatever three weeks uh, but now like i would like to see that match now twice in the span of three weeks so they they give you that uh, so yeah i thought it was a, a nice de- a nice debut episode of rampage uh, but uh, as we mentioned as well it's gonna be fun to talk about this one for a couple days but now all of our focus goes on to uh, the first dance in chicago on friday when um who, who knows how this thing's going to unfold, but uh, AEW has hyped this up like no other uh, when we will see uh, CM Punk make his return. What happens if CM Punk doesn't make his return? <laughs> Here's my Do scenario. we all just, okay. I mean, what happened? Do we just close up AEW right there? Tell me this, <laughs> this would not be the, the one of the biggest moments, or the biggest moment in the history of, of wrestling here in our wrestling fandom. We come out, like, you have Cult of Personality hit, the people are just losing their minds. And then Tony Khan sends out a mini CM Punk. Like it's like the whole mini Booker T and <laughs> all these other things. Um, or he just hits the music and then no one comes out. And then Tony Khan comes out and all of a sudden we've got Vince McMahon circa, you know, 98. Tony Khan has decided that he wants to be uh, the evil uh, you know, heel on on the show, the authority figure, and, and all that. I just, I mean, there there is no scenario like at this point. There's just, I know people keep saying that, but I think the reason why Steve we think about this is, 
I think it's WWE has put this mindset on us that not delivering on like these huge things, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's just the unfortunate part of it, I guess. You don't think that if MJF comes out to call a personality and cuts a heel for him <laughs> on the fans now, you don't think that's going to, I mean, it'd that get would be over, genius. But, if, yeah. yeah. I was going to say that actually would be genius. If you're going to bring up punk after that, uh, that would be a genius. Way yeah. If you're it. not bringing up punk at all though, like if <laughs> somehow negotiations fell through and you just have MJF out there, cut a promo, like, ah, Man. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a um, 99.9% certainty we're going to we're gonna see CM Punk uh, at AW Rampage in Chicago. And if not, uh, congratulations to WWE because uh, yeah. <laughs> they, are, they, they're going to be in good shape. So, uh, yes. But uh, we will talk about that, of course, uh, this coming week. Uh, Friday night, Rampage, the first dance uh, should be quite a scene. And as AW has hyped it up, uh, the television event of the year. So we will see if that turns out to be the case. But uh, for now, Steve, uh, I know you've got a lot of stuff uh, over at 41mania.com. I know you have a lot of stuff in the works. Uh, anything you want to plug uh, as we head into a new week in professional wrestling? Oh, well, I mean, well, uh, we did the impact recap. We did the, uh, we're going to do the ROH recap pretty soon. I got a busy week, man. <laughs> You got to get to SummerSlam 2002. So, oh my God, we got SummerSlam coming up. We got, uh, we got it's just, it's cr- crazy. Yeah, SummerSlam. We completely forgot about SummerSlam because of, <laughs> of Rampage and because of Triple Mania because of everything else. It's just, man, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. This is a wild two weekends. In so just uh, get to 411mania.com and there'll, there'll be stuff people will write, right? <laughs> yeah, probably. What a plug. There people will, will be there. There will be stuff that people will write, and people will be there. I don't know how to say it any better. <laughs> so, uh, 411mania.com, check it all out there. News, columns, reviews, everything up there, like Steve said. We've got a lot happening, and uh, we'll have it all covered over at 411mania.com. And as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast app you use, search for 411 on wrestling, and also leave us a nice five star rating review. That just helps the show reach more people. And uh, we will continue to have the uh, link to the GoFundMe for Larry Sonka's family in the show notes. So continue to share and contribute to that if you can. And uh, as we said, everything else, 411mania.com. But uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you next time here on the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. 